Well, hi, welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than those in the world around us. And for this episode, I, I wanna talk about something that we all deal with, but just in the spirit of The Christian Contrast, um, just talk about something that we as Christians are meant to deal with differently than the people around us deal with, and that's grief. Um, this has been on my mind a lot lately. Um, for, for those of you who are listening to this and you're part of our church family, really probably over the last couple of years, it has just seemed like we've had a lot of memorial services, a lot of grief, sometimes from uh, church members and sometimes from church members' extended families. Um, and then more recently at our church, we, we had an especially just mourn, mourning-filled um season of time and and it's brought up the question about how we all deal with grief and and that's going to be sort of hidden a little bit in this is just going to be how we ourselves deal with grief but even more so i want to talk about how we help others who are dealing with grief and both of those both how we ourselves deal with grief and how others deal with grief ties in specifically with our faith in jesus because we don't avoid grief but we grieve in a different way than we would um, as First Thessalonians chapter four, as Paul says in that passage, um, we grieve, but not like those who have no hope. And so lately with both our staff and then with a the memorial service that, that I kind of presided over, um, I shared some things and enough people came to me and, and found them really helpful that I thought I would just go ahead and do a podcast episode of going over some of these and talking through some of this uh, because we all face grief ourselves. And then we also all face seasons where somebody around us is dealing with grief and we're not quite sure what to do. So, so I wanna give three points of guidance that I think are very helpful for how we walk with others and how we interact with others when they're dealing with grief. Um, and so number one is this. Number one is don't try to fix it. Now, grief can be more wide than the death of a loved one. That, that's probably what we first think of when we think of the death of a parent or a sibling or a spouse or, or in the worst case scenarios, the child. Um, we, person is dealing with grief because they're dealing with a death of some sort, but it could be something else. Um, it could be the loss of a job. It could be um, sort of a health diagnosis that's not necessarily fatal, but just means that life is going to be different now because of this. Um, you're going to experience some limitations or paralysis. Um, it could have to do with something else that, that just brings a point of grief and brings a point of loss. But most regularly, we're going to be interacting with people who lost a loved one. And it's really important that we handle this by not trying to get in there and fix the problem. And usually the way that we try to fix the problem is by in some way saying something that we think once they hear us say this, their behavior will change. Part of what it's like to live under the fall, because we, as believers, we have hope in God, we believe God is present and that God is good, but we're living under the fall. We're living under the curse and we're living in the reality where death is a part of life and frustration is a part of life and paralysis is a part of life and disease is a part of life and lost jobs and kids going off to college. That They're just different losses that we experience. And it's not helpful if we try to fix the problem by with somebody by talking them out of their losses, especially when the loss is a really significant one, especially when they're dealing with somebody's death. So don't get in there and try to fix it. And once again, I, I lead with this because many of us have the instinct to do this. I, and I'd say it's, it's not even a bad instinct. 
Um, for my wife, one, one of her best friends um, went through multiple rounds of breast cancer and, and just a couple times was really close to death. And, and either way, was just dealing with the, the sadness of not being able to get past it. Um, and, and this friend said that she could write a book of just all of the different things people said to her that were unhelpful during the time. And my guess is that at, at least 90 to 95% of the people who said these things, um, first of all, they were trying to help. And secondly, they probably even thought that they were helping, but they weren't helping. And sometimes the way that we try to help or we try to fix things is through saying things that are truisms. Because we we just we're in the situation, we're visiting with someone, we're like, I gotta say something. They're feeling lousy. I gotta make them feel better in some way. So if if somebody's died, we say something like they're in a better place. Um, now, if that person was a believer in Jesus, we think that's true. We, we we believe that that's true. It's not usually helpful in the situation, because what they're dealing with is they're dealing with the deep grief and loss of separation right here. Now, sometimes we also say things that are, are sketchy or are untrue, where somebody has died and we say, well, God just needed another angel. That's just not true. People don't become angels when they die. It's not only a foolish thing to say, it's an incorrect thing to say. And so maybe we say a different version of it and we say something like, um, God just loved them so much that he had to bring them to himself. That he, he just wanted them. We lose, but, but he gets them. And, and what I say is there might be some way that we could piece things together and say that that's not like utterly false. But that's not really the way that scripture, the, the authors of scripture talk about these realities. And so I, I think that it's important that we avoid truisms. Some of the truisms are true, and in time, they may end up being helpful later on. In fact, the grieving person might even start saying some of those things because they've embraced them after the pain. But don't go in with truisms. Don't go in with any sense of, I'm going to fix it. Um, because it might not be with words. You might think, I'm going to fix it by taking them out and taking them to do their favorite thing and have their favorite meal. And that may be great. Go ahead and do that. Don't think it's going to fix it. And don't stare at them with pressure, waiting for them to feel like it's fixed. Um, and beyond this, I think one of the reasons why we get into the fix-it mentality is because sometimes when we're dealing with people who are grieving in some way um, and, and they're believers, they're saying things that freak us out. They're saying things like, I'm, I'm just not sure God is good, or I'm angry with God, or why would God do this? Why would God take them? And, and they say things that start to freak us out because we're like, what's going on here? Maybe they're saying something untrue about God. Maybe they're saying something that, that freaks me out about God. Um, the, the book of Job, I'll, I'll reference the book of Job later on also, but the book of Job is about, uh, amongst many other things, about grief. I mean, it, it's about suffering broadly, but here's Job in deep distress and deep grief. And he's saying things. Sometimes he's just flailing out there. And sometimes, ma many times what you read from Job is, is good and it's true and it's deep and it's heartfelt. And sometimes he's saying things where you may even start to think like, I feel like Job might be a little out of line here. And we're not even necessarily wrong when we read that, but his friends tend to jump on him with that. Just sort of like, hey, you're not allowed to say that. And Job at one point in the book of Job says, um, do you not know that these are words to the wind? And what he's basically saying to his friends is, can't you recognize them? Like, read the room. Recognize the moment. Right now, I'm flailing. These are words to the wind. These are words that are just going to disappear. I'm just sort of calling out things. The wind is going to take it away. This isn't what I really think. 
Now, sometimes somebody in grief does go through a battle of faith where, where it becomes deeply concerning at some point. So there is a time to start to deal with it, to say like, it, it sounds like you might not even believe in God anymore. It's not like, is that what's going on? But two days after, or even two weeks after a tragedy, that's not the time to be correcting their statements. It's time to allow that to be words to the wind and to be patient through the process. So um, if you wanna help somebody, don't try to fix it. And certainly don't do something and then sort of be offended or surprised or put pressure on them when it doesn't fix it. It's not a fixable situation by you. They're in distress, they're in grief. Um, and that leads into the, the second thing that I wanna say. So, so first of all, don't try to fix it. Secondly, and I think this is really, really important. Maybe the most important thing I'm gonna say, let grief have its day. Um, the, the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter three, when it leads up to the part where uh, the author says, God has put eternity into the heart of man. Um, before that, he, he famously talks about the idea that there's a different time for all sorts of different activities. And that part of the test of wisdom is seeing what is appropriate for each different time. And he says, you know, there's a time to mourn and a time to laugh, a time to weep, a time to dance. Just, just the idea that, yeah, that there's different things that are appropriate for different situations. Within that, he says, there is a time to mourn. There's a time where that is the appropriate thing to do, that that's not a loss of faith, that that's not being selfish, that that's not being despairing. It's, it's just appropriate. There's a time for mourning. There's a time for grief. There's a time for crying. I think sometimes that there's something that's happened, and I'm going to guess that it's more in sort of non-denominational and evangelical circles, uh, probably most in the United States and not in other places, where we, we get this sense of we're not sure we're allowed to be sad at funerals and memorial services. We're like, well, no, this isn't a funeral, this is a celebration of life. And I, I kind of get that. I'm not saying that that's all bad, that there is something to celebrate in the person's life, but there can be the sense of like, we're not gonna get together and be sad, we're gonna get together and be happy because they're with the Lord right now and we're just glad that we had them and we're gonna celebrate their life. And what I wanna say is get together for memorial service to be sad, um, to be sad with hope, and with that sense of, of resolution and to celebrate and remember their lives. And there's this weird mix when we're in grief where one moment we are laughing because we're remembering some beautiful memory and then the next moment we're crying. And it's all very confusing to us, but let grief have its day. Get together to mourn. I think one of the reasons why memorial services are important and why we should do them as Christians is because we need to mourn. Well, one of the things that you see if you read the Old Testament, and I think this is actually much more typical to cultures in general. We, we don't do this in the United States right now. Um, but one of the things that you see is that it's not simply that people mourned, because we can tend to look at mourning as something that's very passive, sort of like grief comes upon me and then I try to deal with it. And usually I try to deal with it by getting it away from me. But what you see in the Old Testament is several instances where people mourned, and it's not passive, it's very active. It's like they decided to mourn. This happens with Abraham in Genesis 23 when Sarah dies. He goes to a specific place to mourn over his wife. And this happens at the end of uh, Genesis, actually related to the Egyptians, after Jacob has died, that they set aside a specific amount of time, 70 days to mourn for him. When Moses' brother Aaron dies in the book of Exodus, um, well, it's, it's actually recorded closely in the book of Numbers, um, 30 days the Israelites take 
to mourn. Now, now here's the deal. As we go through this, there's not a clear prescription for us that there's not this command, here's what you're supposed to do when a close family member dies. But I think this is instructive to us just to say, all right, there are these marks of God's people mourning, and the mourning is not passive, it's actually active. They have decided, I am going to mourn right now. And sometimes they even set aside an amount of time. And the idea wasn't, for for like Aaron, the idea wasn't, we're going to mourn for him for 30 days, and then after that, everybody's going to be over it. Moses, it was his brother. He's probably not going to be over it. Um, people who are close to Aaron, his, his children, grandchildren, they're probably not going to be over it. They, they are still going to be dealing with ongoing grief. So the idea is not set aside time to grieve, and then it's over. But the idea is grieve on purpose, mourn on purpose, let grief have its moment. Let grief have its day. We need this because the whole point is that we grieve because we loved and we grieve because we were loved. So we're grieving the separation that we now experience from this person that we loved. We miss them. That That's good. That means that they meant something to us. There are all kinds of people who die every single day and we don't grieve for them, because we don't know them. We don't know their names. We don't know their stories. We never met them. They had nothing to do with our lives. But when somebody close to us dies, we grieve. Let grief have its day. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up, not just for ourselves, but in how we help others, is that this is a way that I think we actually can help others. Our instinct for many of us is to try to get them to stop grieving. Like, no, you, you shouldn't feel sad. God is good. God is working all things together for our good. No, you shouldn't feel sad. They're not sad. They wouldn't come back if they could. They're with God now. We, we, we're trying to get past the grief. I think if you're going to talk, it actually can be helpful to give permission for grief. To say to somebody, well, no wonder you're sad. Of course, you, how could you not be sad? This was your husband. How could you not be sad? This was your mother. How could you not be sad at this point? It's appropriate. It's appropriate to ask them questions that will allow them to reflect on the things that they miss about the person. It's okay to give them that permission. And that's a great gift that you can give somebody when you're willing to just sit with them and listen and even ask questions that you might feel like, oh, am I, am I making it worse? Because I'm, I'm sort of pointing them to the fact that they've experienced this loss. They know they've experienced the loss. You are not pointing it out to them. You're not keeping them from something better. Now, if it's six years later and somebody still is not getting out of bed in the morning, that's a different issue to deal with. But if you're dealing with somebody who is still in the time frame where they've recently experienced a really big loss, it could be helpful just to say, hey, you know, what, what are your, some of your favorite memories about your mom? What, what do you miss right now about your dad? what's been some of the, the more difficult things that you guys have dealt with as you've dealt with the aftermath of this? It can feel very counterintuitive to us because we're like, we're pointing toward the pain. The pain is there and you're giving a chance to grieve that. And we have to go through grief. People have said, I didn't make this up. People have said, there, there's no way around, there's only through. And I absolutely believe that that's true. There's no way around, there's just through. And I think it's also worth pointing out that Jesus himself grieved at his friend's funeral, even though he could have given himself the truism, I'm about to go raise him up from the dead. Uh, and people debate, why was Jesus crying at Lazarus' Lazarus's funeral in John 11? Um, I think that the reason he was crying was very clear in John 11. It says it three times. It says he loved Lazarus. He cried because he loved his friend and his friend was dead. And that was sad. So if Jesus cries at a funeral that he's about to go and interrupt with a resurrection, 
it certainly is within the realm of, of what we would expect that we would be crying in grief, even though we know at some time future reunion is coming. Let grief have its day. Don't rush through it. There's no way around it. You got to go through it. Um, and then the, the third piece of advice I want to give. So once again, don't try to fix it. Um, let grief have its day. And the third piece of advice is be present and be patient. What people who are experiencing the, the grief of a cancer diagnosis or the grief of a lost loved one frequently say is the thing that means the most to them is just people being with them. Um, something has been said, I mentioned Job earlier, something's been said of Job's three friends in the book of Job, that Job experiences all of this horrific loss, loss of children, loss of health, loss of possessions. He, he experiences this horrific loss and says his friends come to visit him and his friends can't even recognize him because he's so broken and he's so unhealthy because of all of the distress that he's experienced. And it says that they just sit with him and cry. That's good friendship. That, that's often what people need. And, and if you're like, I don't, I, like, do I have to cry? Maybe I, I, I don't know that, I, should I force it? No, th like, that's not the point. The point is that you are grieving, you are being sad with them and you're being with them in the midst of their time of being sad. First Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the idea that as members of the body of Christ, we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. So we go to people and we're present with them and then as I've already kind of alluded to, we're patient with them. Um, God is not going to call you to be the person to walk through a season of grief with, with every single person um, in your life or with every single person in the church or with every single person in the world. But um, there's always, if somebody's dealing with deep grief, there's always gonna be a, a set of people that God calls to kind of be the front line of support for them. And this may be extended family, this may be close friends, this might be their life group, that it's gonna be some group of people that they're more of the front lines people. So if you're in a situation where you are a frontline person, be patient because it's gonna be a long haul. Now, to be fair, if somebody has lost their 80 year old parent, um, it's probably not gonna be as long a long haul as somebody who's lost their 40 year old spouse, and even that is not gonna be as long of a long haul as somebody who has lost their child. Um, but you still wanna be patient. You still wanna have the expectation that there's gonna be an extended period of time where when you're spending time with them, a lot of the conversation is gonna revolve around their grief because that's just where they're at right now. And when you're going out and doing stuff together, they may not quite be the fun person that you want them to be at that moment and that you're being patient with them. Be patient and be present. This is part of the beauty of what we do for one another, especially as believers in the body of Christ, is that when somebody is grieving, we don't run away from them. Some of us want to. Some of us are like, that's too scary. I'm gonna put my foot in my mouth. I don't know what I'm gonna say. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Don't even worry about what you're gonna say. Just be with them. And if you ask them how they're feeling, that's okay too. Um, one, one of the questions I frequently ask when I'm talking to people that are going through grief is I feel weird asking them, how are you doing? Because I'm like, I know how you're doing. You're doing terrible. Um, so one of the questions I frequently ask them is just, how has today been? 
Um, it's a way of me trying to acknowledge, I understand this is terrible right now. So I'm just going to ask what today has been like. And people have tended to respond very positively to that, to, to feel like I'm opening a door for them just to share about what's going on in their lives today. Be patient and be present. Just be willing to go through the awkwardness to be there with them as they're unhappy, as they're grieving, and maybe even sometimes as they're saying things that they shouldn't say because they're upset about the situation. Be present and hang in there and be patient. Uh, I hope that this is helpful for you if you're going through grief, that maybe there's something here that you're like, all right, that that was helpful. I, I need to let grief have its day or I need to understand that people are trying to help when they say stupid things to try to fix the situation, or I need to really value the people who are present with me in this, or I need to get around people because I've been isolating. Um, but for all of us who are going to walk with others, I think it is so significant that we let go of our obsession with fixing a situation that can't be fixed by us. It will be fixed by Jesus. And I think that it's important for us to let grief have its day and not trying to lead people in avoiding it. And I think it's really important that we choose to go through the awkwardness of just being present and patiently walking with people in their grief. Uh, if you have thoughts, feedback, questions, things you want to say on this episode, I would love to hear it. Um, you can leave your comments uh, on this YouTube video. We, we have um, all of our Christian Contrast podcast episodes on our YouTube channel for Life Bible Fellowship Church. So if you enjoyed this or benefited from this, you can go on our YouTube channel and look at past episodes. We also have all of them on our website, lbf.church. So you can find the episodes on either of those places. Uh, I always like to go back and look for people that have left comments or questions and interact with them and engage because many of the things that we talk about on this podcast have to do with things that we're wrestling through together and that sometimes we're collaborating on feeling the wisest way uh, to walk through. So please do that. I'll look forward to um, checking those out. And thanks so much for taking the time to listen. We put out new episodes of The Christian Contrast every two weeks, so I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, thanks so much for taking the time to listen. <music>